What is up, everyone? Happy Monday. Welcome to Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. It was a busy weekend, so it is going to be a busy show. If you ever want to get in touch with me, I'm on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I am at primetimeklein, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Uh, the music provided by Waste of Talent. Find them on Instagram at Waste of Talent with X is where the A's would be. You can also find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. Uh, apologies for no shows um, either Friday or on the weekend. Uh, feeling a little bit under the weather, uh, both physically and not the best mental health weekend for your boy. Uh, but uh, I, I was going to say, but back and ready to go. I'm not, um, admittedly. So I don't know if I'm going to, it, it, it's probably going to sound different for the next little bit. Um, just had, had a rough weekend and, um, I don't want to get too much further than that, um, into it. You guys aren't my counselor, so you, you don't need to hear everything about that. You're here for a sports show, uh, not, oh, who's had something to Peter at the grocery store over the weekend. Um, so yeah, wasn't necessarily feeling my best. And, um, the, the downside of being your own boss is that you can just go, ah, fuck it. Uh, which might, I mean, someone consider that probably an upside. Um, but that's, what I did, and now we are here talking about football. So, um, we're going to go a lot into the wrestling that happened over the weekend, and then this week on Friday show. Also, real in-depth on the UFC on Friday show as well. We're going to cover some of the main points here at the end of the program. But just, yeah, wanted to let you know, wasn't my best weekend, and just wasn't feeling it. So, hopefully, feeling it a little bit more today. Let's start with the National Football League. Uh, and we will start with my team, the Vegas Raiders, a 31-28 win over the Miami Dolphins. And this is one, oh boy. Yeah, the defense comes up with a couple of big-ish plays and then gives up a couple of big-ish plays. This is, this is a better Raider team than I was anticipating going into this season. But this team could very easily and probably should be 1-2 and two to start the year. I, I don't think this is a for-real Vegas team. From a fan perspective, it's fun as all hell. And I'm going to keep ro rolling with it, because why the hell not? Um, but... I, I don't I don't think this is something you can take all that seriously. From a Miami perspective, Jacoby Brissett was a whole lot better than he had any right to be. That's a good showing for him. And the Dolphins are going to need it if they're going to want to hang around and cash out my bet of this team making the postseason this year. Go back to Thursday, Carolina with a 24-9 win over Houston. The Panthers are about to be tested much more than they have been in the first three weeks of the season. But for an over 7.5 bet, when you get to 3 in the first three weeks... You feel pretty good about it. Buffalo at home against Washington, and I have some serious recalibration, uh, recalibrating, recalibrations. I have to seriously rethink things on the Washington side because that defense got their ass kicked by the Buffalo Bills. And maybe this is just the Bills offense is back, but this is not the elite Washington defense I thought we were going to see coming into the season. That That is one of the things I'm the most wrong on in the first few weeks of the season. I was buying the hype. I thought even though they were facing maybe not the best of competitions, that this was a pass rush that was going to be able to cause some problems. And it just hasn't. So concerning on the Washington side of things, for sure. Cleveland beating the tar out of Chicago. Um, it's funny. Mitch Trubisky's name was trending on Twitter for a little bit today. 
I don't think the problems that Mitch Trubisky had were all because Matt Nagy wasn't very good. Now, I don't think Matt Nagy is very good, but I also don't think Mitch Trubisky is any good. I think both of those things are true. But that was inexcusable uh, from a, a Chicago standpoint. If if it were me, and I, I'm sure there are a lot of aspects of this that I am not necessarily privy to, I'd have fired Matt Nagy as soon as that game was over. It is one thing to tailor an offense around a veteran that you have brought in and mid-game not be able to adjust that. However, when you draft a kid in the first round, in the it was top 10, right? Anyway, it was really high up. And then don't have anything in the playbook for him at all and just roll out the Andy Dalton game plan when he's starting? That's inexcusable. It's it's either lazy or it's stupid, and I don't know which one is better. But it's you, you can't you can't do that if you are Chicago. You're not putting the kid in the best situation. You are not putting your team in the best situation. It's yeah, it, it has the potential to set his development back a little bit. Like it was just it was awful. It was truly truly awful from a Chicago standpoint. And I I put like I, I've said before I'm not the biggest Justin Fields guy, but. That is not the way you use him at all. And yeah, I would be, if I'm a Bears fan and if I'm the Bears front office, I am seriously concerned about setting this kid's development back if Matt Nagy is going to continue to use him in that way. Uh, for Cleveland, they beat the shit out of a bad team. Like, that's good for you. Baltimore escapes Detroit with a 19-17 win. So it's just going to be this way all season for Baltimore. Hey, it's just going to be... Close game after close game after close game. Um, Hollywood Brown with a couple of devastating drops late in this game that leads to the 66-yard field goal that was absolutely necessary for Baltimore to get away with a win. But this is what we talked about with Detroit, that they are not going to be an easy cover for teams on a week-in, week-out basis. They're going to get their asses kicked for sure, but this is going to be a team that battles, and this is going to be a team that scraps, and you are going to have to work for every inch against this Detroit Lions team. The press conference was crazy, but you still at least have to feel like the the Detroit Lions are moving in the right direction. That This is the, the start of building that culture that you want. They're just not a very good football team. But this is, I don't, I'm not going to get too concerned about Baltimore. It's a win on the road. I think you just move on. Arizona with a 31-19 win over Jacksonville. The Jags get the benefit of the longest play in NFL history, a 109-yard missed field goal return. But they're, they're still just, bad. Um, Trevor Lawrence has a few more flashes in this game where it looks like he's putting things together a little bit. And you like he was going to because he's a very good quarterback. Uh, but this Jags team is still a long ways away from anything. And Arizona continues to roll with a win. Chargers against Kansas City. The Chargers get away with one here. Um, but I think the main story in this game is Patrick Mahomes looks human. And there's a couple just real bad mistakes that you can't make if you're the best quarterback on the planet. And I just, it, you still don't get the sense that they're taking any of this seriously. Uh, they go out and ask jo uh, add Josh Gordon today. People are picking him up in fantasy. I don't care. Um, I picked him up in one of my leagues just because it's a super, super, super deep league. And I had a couple of guys get hurt. So there's that. But I think Kansas City will be fine. They're certainly not a last place team. It's hilarious to look at the AFC West today because the standings are almost the exact opposite of what I thought they would be. Like one through four is four through one. Um, and that's 
hilarious to me. But Kansas City, like Patrick Mahomes is making some mistakes that you just can't make. And he gets the benefit of the doubt because he's probably the most talented quarterback ever. But Justin Herbert and this Chargers team, like that is a signature win. That's probably the best win the Chargers franchise has had in the last like five years. So kudos to them. They are for real. You guys know I'm big on the Chargers. I've always been big on Mike Williams. It's, I'm happy to see that he is breaking out. I am sad that he is doing this while I have zero stocks in him in fantasy, but I might be one of those people who are over, um, uh, I guess, overbuying on, on Mike Williams this week in fantasy. New Orleans, 28. New England, 13. Again, I'm feeling pretty good about my New England's not going to make the playoffs call. Uh, that looked like a bad New England Patriots team. And now for the second time in three weeks, New Orleans defense looks really, really good. And this is kind of what we talked about last week, where New Orleans, they are going to be able to take advantage of lesser offenses, and they're going to get beat up by higher up offenses. That's that's how it's going to be. This is going to be a pretty average team this year. New England, Mac Jones might be better than I think he's going to be, um, but that offensive line had some problems, and that New England team had quite a bit of problems. And now they're going to take on Tampa Bay, and I think, Tom Brady is going to absolutely annihilate that team next Sunday night. Atlanta 17, the Giants 14, the Giants suck. I still feel good about that. Atlanta sucks. I uh, Yeah. Cincinnati 24, Pittsburgh 10. Again, the Steelers are done. It's, it, 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 is, it is over for Big Ben. I don't know why people thought this year was going to be different than the end of last season, but it is not. For Cincinnati, I'm not willing to back off of my Jamar Chase shouldn't have gone to Cincinnati. It should have been an offensive lineman take instead. However, those guys are looking really, really good. Um, Cincinnati will probably get another win this week as they take on Jacksonville on Thursday night. The Steelers are in big time trouble, and it doesn't matter who is hurt. It is all about the quarterback who is awful. Tennessee, 25. Indianapolis, 16. Admittedly, didn't see a ton of this game. But the Colts, like I said last week, I think the Colts are just kind of bad now. Like they, they, they have some talented players and they'll have some flashes of, oh shit, look at that. And then they'll screw it up somehow. And I don't fully understand it, but they're just not great. Jets, zero. Denver, 26. This is that stretch where Denver was going to go 3-0. And the reason we took the over on Denver this season, um, was because they were going to start with three wins. They complete that in utter dominance over the New York Jets, who might have the worst roster in the NFL. And this is what we talked about last week, and going to bring it up forever. The Jets went from being a bad team with a young quarterback to being a bad team with a young quarterback when they traded away Sam Darnold and brought in Zach Wilson. I'm not going to harp on it every week. Actually, I might. I don't know. I mean, who knows? But Denver looks good against bad teams. Now let's see what they look like against good teams. A battle of two good teams, the Rams 34, the Buccaneers 24. Interesting game. Really, really interesting game. And I, I thought Tampa Bay might have been the best team in the NFC. I think you lose that crown at least for a couple of weeks with the, the Rams and with how well that offense is clicking. Matt Stafford is still prone to some bonehead plays for sure, but the way that team is going and the way that team can play defensively, not that the Bucks are slouches on defense, but they've had some injuries to the secondary that might knock them below the Rams in the power rankings just a touch. Minnesota 30, Seattle 17. The Seahawks defense is in a world of trouble again. They couldn't get Minnesota off the field at all, and I'm not buying any Kirk Cousins anything on this one. I've said he's bad before. I still think he's bad. He just faced a worse defense. And then Sunday night, Green Bay, San Francisco, an incredible finish to that football game. And Aaron Rodgers reminding everyone 
why you don't panic on Aaron Rodgers after week one. Uh, Devontae Adams apparently has a skull made of steel because that definitely looked like it was a concussion. And then he was just back out there. So I guess good for him. Um, that's a tough one for San Francisco to take. I didn't love the clock management late in that game. It, it felt like it felt like they probably could have wound a bit more of that clock down before going for the touchdown, but you don't want to leave yourself with just one play to get in the end zone, right? So it's it's tough when you say a team scored too quickly because it's just it's yeah, it's it's tough to score in the NFL and to yeah, to give Aaron Rodgers that much time is tough, but to say, hey, just continue to lose for a little bit longer and then make sure you have one really good play. I don't know. I feel like 35 seconds, you you probably should be able to not give up a field goal when the other team only has one timeout left. Monday Night Football tonight, Dallas against Philadelphia. I think this will be a good test for Philly to see where exactly they are at in this NFC East race, but I, I think this one will kind of be a Dallas... We're probably going to come out of this one tomorrow talking about the Dallas Cowboys being the favorites in the NFC East. Couple other notes from around the NFL. Matt Nagy says all three quarterbacks are being considered to start. Um, I would suggest that a number of coaches should be considered to coach ahead of Matt Nagy for Chicago, but that's that. Tyler Boyd, I thought this was interesting. Boyd saying that the Steelers gave up late in their loss. It kind of seemed like that. Fourth and 10 and a little dump pass to Najee Harris. This is a couple, this is a few weeks in a row now. I mean, it's every week so far this season. We are seeing teams relying way too much on rookies. And in Pittsburgh's case, it's not necessarily all their fault because guys are getting hurt. But again, you have a quarterback that sucks and you knew you had a quarterback that sucks and you rolled them out there anyway. Um, but like Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball 55 times in week one and Zach Wilson being hung out to dry and throwing a bunch of interceptions against New England in week two. And now Najee Harris with 19 targets out of the backfield in, um, in week three here. It is one thing to have good rookies. It is another thing to need good rookies. And you are seeing now the bad teams are the ones who are in need of good rookies right now. And I get like, that's that's what you have when you draft up high, but that's not the Steelers case. It's, it's just, it's asking so much of these kids just in their first three weeks in the NFL. Moving over to the CFL, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders with a dramatic victory over the BC Lions. It ends up being, I believe, 31-24 the final after the fumbled kickoff at the end of the ball game. I've been saying all season that it is Winnipeg and Saskatchewan and then everyone else is at the kids' table. I'm not saying the Lions are ready to come to the adults' table yet, but they're at least, like, able to be the teenagers sitting in the living room watching TV. Um, that that was a good showing from them. The, a couple of things that concern me for BC, one, they couldn't run the ball at all. And two, how many times did they say, oh, Mike Riley has a ton of time? The only times they did was when, sorry, Michael Riley, was when he would roll out and escape pressure and then there was no one in his face. He did not have like five clean pockets to throw from that entire game. Saskatchewan should feel really good about what they did in the pass rush, but really bad about what they did in containing Mike Riley or Michael Riley, sorry, because he lit them up when he was on the move. He is a very good thrower on the run and he's a very good runner on the run. Um, so the, the, the riders, I feel like this could be another matchup that you see postseason time. Um, Cause there, there are some weapons on BC that are, are pretty good, but for, for Saskatchewan, I think you, you have to really like how you did in the run game, uh, defending the run. I think you really have to feel good 
about how this team just defended in, in aside from losing contain on Michael Riley and not being able to contain Lucky Whitehead. I, I thought this team covered very, very well. 90% of the time, just a couple of plays to Whitehead. There are a few times that it's frustrating that it'll be like a, a third and six and a receiver will run a seven-yard route and just be wide open against Saskatchewan. That that has frustrated me forever. I get it's a bigger field and all of that, but I mean, figure it out kind of. So that, that's a, a little bit frustrating from um, a Saskatchewan standpoint. On offense, this team still can't throw the deep ball. They get a couple of good ones. Uh, I thought Picton had a terrible game. I thought Edwards Cooper basically stole his lunch money on every possession that they went to him on. Obviously, we don't get the all, I guess it'd be 24 in the CFL, but it just felt like from watching the TV broadcast that he was getting absolutely annihilated. It's a breakout game for Lewis. That's good for him. Schaefer Baker, a little bit more quiet. I I still, I would like to see more them use more, a little bit more, but overall, this is a, a quality win for Saskatchewan. They get a little bit lucky at the end, but that's that's a good BC Lions team. It's not a great BC Lions team, but it's a good BC Lions team. Uh, now BC gets ready to take on Winnipeg and Saskatchewan is facing Calgary. that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. The final week of the baseball season is upon us and anyone who says they have any idea how this is all going to play out is lying to you because it looked like the Yankees were dead in the water and the Red Sox were going to be able to put that final nail in the coffin at Fenway and then the Yankees swept them. Swept. And then the Blue Jays taking on the Minnesota Twins, who I don't know how they've been this bad this season, but that team can hit the shit out of the baseball. And the Blue the Blue Jays split a series with Minnesota. So now we're going into the final week of the season. Toronto has to make up at least a game on the Boston Red Sox. Obviously, the ideal scenario for Toronto is to sweep the Yankees, and then you just don't have to worry about it. But Toronto has set this up extremely well. And... It will be frustrating if the Blue Jays don't get in, and there will be a couple of dozen games that you can point to, whether it be poor management from Charlie Montoyo, poor timely hitting from the offense, or rough stuff from the bullpen that could end up costing this Blue Jays team. When you boil down 162 games to one, you you can find a few that you're going to be very frustrated by. But this is a Blue Jays team that has had three home fields this season, um, spent $25 million on a dude who's been injured. And by the way, my apologies to George Springer because he looks like he's back now. Um, I got really worried on that ball where, that he was trying to leg out to first base. I hated that he was batting for one in a 6-1 game in the ninth. But then when he came up limping after racing over to first base, and then he gets a home run the next day, so he's fine. But... This is so unpredictable, and we've seen all of these teams go on the, this roller coaster this last month, month and a half for Toronto, because they were really bad in August, and then all of a sudden in September, they're the best team in baseball. And it's, yeah, same thing, like, Yankees have looked really bad at times, and now they look like the best team in baseball. And Boston looked like they were the best team in baseball until this weekend, and then they got shit kicked. It's, it is it is so fun, and from a, a fan standpoint, it's fun to be a part of it. This is the first time that this has really happened for me as a Blue Jays fan, because you think back, I, I wasn't necessarily following the chase of the, the Milwaukee Brewers of the Toronto Blue Jays in the American League East back in 1992 and 93. Um... 
more so 92, I guess. I don't, I don't even know who was pushing them in 93. Um, but again, I was three, so couldn't really live that. And then between 93 and 2015, it was, well, hey, they're four back with six to play, man. They're, they're playing the, oh, they got swept and the season's over. Okay, great. Well, there goes that. Um, but now for Toronto, and then, sorry, to, to finish the point, 2015, they just beat the hell out of everyone for the last two months of the year and won the division going away. And then 2016, they they had a pretty comfortable lead and then blew it. And you they needed to win in the last couple of days in the regular season to wrap up that wild card spot. But it never felt like a playoff race. It was just they were tumbling down. Was, how are they going to stop this? To have this be a legitimate race, it's something we haven't really seen from a Blue Jays perspective in a really long time. And so it's been fun. We'll see how the last month goes. But the Blue Jays, if nothing else, aside from winning the division by 15 games, this is what you wanted. Um especially like middle of August, you have your three best starters going against the Yankees at home with 30,000 people being allowed in the Rogers Center. Like this is, a month ago, this was best case scenario. So now they have to sweep the Yankees, it feels like if they're going to catch them. But you just, you need your best players to be your best players and then see how it all stacks up. Seeing a lot of, hey, the NHL is back. Um, not going to go super in-depth on any preseason stuff here. It's just, it's it's amazing to me. Like, the off-season... I've noticed this the last couple of years. The off-season in the NHL, especially for the team here, it's a bunch of stuff happens right away. And then the team here doesn't really necessarily do a whole lot. But hey, it's early off-season. Let them do their thing. We'll see. Still plenty of time. Don't panic yet. What it looks like in July isn't going to be what it looks like in September. And then the rest of July and all of August and most of September go by and nothing happens because everyone's on vacation and kind of getting their rosters solidified. And then you come to training camp and, oh, well, nothing actually did happen. And this team's going into training camp next year the exact same way. I, I'm never going to buy the, oh, it's early in the offseason stuff ever again. Because that's the only time anything gets done in the offseason because these are human beings and they've just spent the last 10 months of their lives really grinding away on it. They're probably going to want some time in the summer months. And I'm not saying that they're all just like, I'm not saying Bradshaw Living is at the cottage for two months. But what I am saying is that a lot of general managers will spend at least a bit of time there as they are getting their rosters ready for the season. But it was quiet for a really long time. And now we are back really into it in the NHL, and I'm not overly optimistic about the Calgary Flames this season. UFC 266 goes down this weekend from Las Vegas, Nevada. An incredible night with Volkanovski picking up a win over Brian Ortega. It was a unanimous decision. I was surprised at the amount of people that gave Volkanovski the third round. It's nitpicking because he obviously won the fight, but he was getting close to choked out twice, and... Still, a lot of people gave him the round. Two judges gave him the round, for sure. I get he has some massive ground and pound at the end, and Ortega looking dead at the end of the round doesn't help his cause. But I thought Ortega came close twice to finishing that round. I I was surprised at the amount of love that Volkanovski got after that third round. But an incredible fight. An absolutely incredible fight. And one that both fighters come away from with stocks raised. Volkanovski, the discussion around him is going to be where he fits in at all time at featherweight. And it's such a young division. Like we, we are only 140 numbered UFC events into 
um, 145 pounds actually being a thing. And we've had three champions during that time. And one of them was a champion for a long time. And I think there's way too much dismissing of Jose Aldo in these conversations. Oh, well, Max Holloway beat him a couple of times. Yeah, but, um, and now Volkanovski's just beat all of them. And so because th- this is why I, I don't really like when they flash up those stats on the UFC broadcast. Oh, this guy has the fifth most takedowns in UFC history. So yeah, but three months from now, he's going to be 18th. It's just all of these guys are so close right now that, and this sport is still so young in the grand scheme of things. It's tough to look at all time greats, but that was an all time performance because he obviously showed the heart of a champion to get out of those submissions and then was incredibly violent in solidifying that win. Brian Ortega, I still think there's um, potential there. He is 30 and I'm not saying like that's a death knell. I hope not. I'm 31, but if it's going to happen, it's kind of got to happen soon. And th- there's still, there, there's obviously a high level skill set there. And he might be in a spot where he just can't beat the two best guys in the division, which would suck for him. Uh, it's going to be fun for us. But I, I think, I still think there's a little bit more improvement that needs to be done. It just felt like when you watch the guys with their hands on Saturday night, one looked just a little bit crisper than the other one did. And if Ortega can kind of tighten that up just a little bit more, he could still be an incredibly dangerous fighter. Valentina Shevchenko beats the hell out of Lauren Murphy for a victory in the fourth round. I hated the cornering from Lauren Murphy, and I tweeted about it on Saturday night. Even she was looking at her corner like, what the fuck fight are you guys watching? Because she was getting killed in there. And, well, I shouldn't say that, because she wasn't getting beat up that much. She was obviously losing, and losing convincingly. So from a scoring of a fight perspective, she was getting killed in there. But she was avoiding big damage, and that seemed to be the only concern of her corner. There was absolutely no strategy in place from that corner that lead that would lead you to thinking this was a fighter that could win this fight. There was zero winning strategy talked at all. It was, hey, survive. And that's that's one thing if you think you have a one hit or quitter chance of winning this fight. But her mode of victory was probably, unless they let her bring Nux into the cage, she wasn't just getting a one-shot pow knockout. Oh my God, it's Rocky, Rocky. Um, shout out Gus Johnson. But her game plan and her mode to victory was going to be trying to grind it out. And she just wasn't doing that. She was just getting picked apart a lot. And when you get to the fourth round, you have you have now lost that. You've lost three straight rounds. So unless you plan on winning 10-7 in back-to-back rounds, it's going to be very difficult for you. I, I hated that game plan. I thought it was a loser game plan the entire way. And she's not a loser fighter. Like Lauren Murphy was a, a deserving title challenger. And this is one of the problems you get when you have a champion who is that dominant. I remember this was around... It happened, conversations like this around Anderson Silva and around GSP and even around Ronda Rousey. People forget how good she was. The, the discussions were, well, does this person have a chance to beat GSP? Said, well, no, but they at least deserve the chance to try because they are the number one contender. And if we are just waiting for some, same thing with John Jones. If we were just waiting for someone who we absolutely 100% believe could beat John Jones, going to be waiting a while. Um... All the way until the LAPD step in, I guess. Just because the rest of the division hasn't caught up doesn't mean that there aren't any valuable challengers. It's just they're not going to threaten Shevchenko all that much. And Nate Diaz, or sorry, Nick Diaz, with a loss to Robbie Lawler. I was fine with him 
just kind of waving this fight off. If you were looking for someone to step up as an extra title challenger at 185 pounds, this was not going to be the fight for you. If you were looking for something that was going to be reasonably close to their fight uh, 17 years ago, this was not going to be the fight for you. If you just wanted to appreciate a couple of legends still having something left in the tank, then this was fine. Um, the people say, oh, this is really sad to watch. Like, what the fuck were you expecting? Guys and fought in a thousand years, and he kind of got beat up quite a bit in some of those other fights. Like, he, he was very successful, but, like, what what were you expecting this to look like? And so if you went in with kind of a, a measured expectation, th this was fine. And he didn't, as soon as the damage was starting to get too bad, he just kind of, okay, deuces, I'm out of here. I, I have absolutely no problem with that. If you, you want to do the Legends thing, the UFC doesn't necessarily go that route all the time, but if they want to with these two, I'll, I'll watch them again. That's that's fine. Um, I, I think we're going to learn a lot about Nick Diaz and a lot about what's going on in his camp and his life because it sounds like there is a very interesting story to be told there. All right, uh, that is going to do it for the program today. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Uh, again, like I said, I'm not I'm not at a full tank right now, and I, I hope this was still an enjoyable listening experience either way. Um, if you want, reach out to me. I am on Twitter and Instagram at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. The music provided by Wasted Talent. They are on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. And a reminder, if you want more from me, we had no idea. General history podcast I have with my wife comes out every Wednesday morning. I will talk to you guys Wednesday afternoon. I'm out.